I'm a poor startup founder And this is my intro theme song I know it sucks, but hey, screw you Today I'm gonna talk about High-level startup overview Hi everybody, this is Rob Hernandez, episode numero dos, that means taco in English, and uh, I am the poor startup founder. I'm going to talk to you today about a very high-level look at what a startup is all about. Um, I don't really have an agenda ahead of me, I don't have a syllabus or an outline, I just have a couple of notes, and I'm going to try to cover what I think a startup is really, um, it really needs. There's going to be uh, a lot of things omitted, uh, especially if you are a business grad or if you are someone who likes to read blog articles about startups. I probably will miss, will miss a lot of that stuff out, but only because I'm going to talk about it from a more hands-on, contextual um, perspective. Well, that was awkward. Uh, that was a phone call. It was the wrong number. So when you get a phone call uh, on your work line and it's w- wrong number, it's so deflating, isn't it? Um, so guys, let me let me jump in here. What we're going to cover are the what, uh, why, the how, um, and a couple of other things when it comes to your startup. I think that many people really get hung up on Uh, certain parts of a startup. And I think for a successful person uh, to jump into a startup and go through all these steps rapidly, there's more opportunity for success. Now I'm starting to sound like, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, Gary V. Is that right? Uh, You know, nothing against Gary V, but he talks about things from a very positive light. He is a very successful entrepreneur. Um, good on him, but he makes things sound so easy. Um, I don't agree that it was very easy for me to do my first startup. I was lucky as balls to get, um, or balls lucky? I was lucky as um, bunny rabbits. Well, not bunny rabbits. They get they get killed and eaten. Uh, I don't know what a lucky as a really lucky person. Whoever that guy is on Jeopardy, that's winning a ton of stuff. He's pretty. He's got to be lucky. I mean, he's he's he, nobody could be that smart, right? I don't even know what I was talking about. So let's just get right back to this. What, why, how, and uh, a few other things. The first thing is what. What is your startup? You could be laying in bed, you could be in a coffee shop, you could be at the beach, and you have an idea. Guess what? Uh, The idea uh, that you have is fantastic. It's beautiful. It's going to revolutionize the world. Um, Actually, I I rephrase, let me rephrase that. It's not going to revolutionize the world. It could revolutionize the world if you got out of bed or... um, you know, into the office, away from the beach, and you actually did something about it. Ideas come very easy. Uh, I I got to say that in my lifetime, I probably had about a dozen fantastic ideas. I thought about the SUV um, before the SUV became a thing. So just saying, <laughs> 
I deserve a little bit of money there, uh, perhaps. I, I saw a Dodge Ram truck, and I was like, just imagine if that Dodge Ram truck, and, and the Dodge Ram truck had um, a canopy on the bed of the truck. And I was thinking, imagine if that canopy was actually, you know, fixed on the car. You know, a few years later, they came out with Dodge Durango. I was like, that was my idea. That was my idea. Um, But then I I was thinking about this the other day. Jeep was actually uh, building uh, SUVs, I guess, much earlier. So what is your idea? Is it uh, something that you can accomplish or is it something just completely like I would never be able to accomplish the idea of of going to going to dodge, <laughs> get out of dodge, man, going to dodge and saying, hey, you know what? Your Ram truck is beautiful, but um, you should build something and call it the Durango. Uh, I didn't think about the name. I didn't think about the name. Now, here is a caveat with the what. Don't worry about the name. Don't worry about the branding. Don't worry about the colors. Don't worry about any of that. Don't even worry about the URL because you know what? That stuff will all come in time. I'm going to tell you a quick story. I used to do a lot of creative design stuff, and I used to I used to have clients who asked me to do websites, product design, uh, marketing sites, and one of the things they asked me to do was branding. Uh, branding, for those who don't know, is kind of like what the company looks like, sounds like. You know, it's got it's the personality behind the company. But branding, from a creative standpoint, was you know stationary, uh, well, logo for one, uh, stationary uh, colors for the website, fonts, and all that sort of stuff. Um, it also includes you know a tagline or the language that you use. Uh, for your company, so uh, I would I would often ask you know when I got a project to do you know the brand branding package, um, I would ask okay what's the story of your company what's the context um, uh, you know tell me tell me everything about it so that I can portray that in your in your brand. Sometimes I'd have clients that said look I just want a dragon and I want the dragon to be like red, because I like the color red, because I'm really into red. And, you know, I want it to be just awesome. I want it to look like a tattoo, but it's on tin, on tin. So then I'd be, okay, well, what, you know, what's the name of the product? Or what is the product? Is it toilet paper? (laughs) Well, it doesn't, it doesn't really, it doesn't, like, they don't match up. I don't get it. Um, And if I don't get it, guess what? Um, people looking at it for the very first time definitely won't get it. But, you know, um, I had clients like that, and I'd often say, at least early on, I'd say, yes, I'll do it. But then I, you know, as I became more seasoned as a designer, I'd stop and I'd say, no, 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 I need a story. If you want me to do the branding, we got to understand what the company's about, the what, the why, the how, all that sort of stuff, and and then I can help you. Actually, you don't really t- need to know the how, but the what and the why. Actually, the how could help a little bit because, especially if it's something complex that people can't wrap their heads around, a little bit of how, an explanation of how, might you know, like simplifying that could could really help people, uh, you know, connect with the brand better. 
Oh, so I think it's the same with your startup. If you don't have a story about your startup, if you don't know everything about your startup, well, if you don't know everything about the first parts of your startup, then don't worry about the brand. Don't worry about the name. I mean, you can come up with a name if it, if it, if something comes up quickly. But people often spend a lot of time on that. And I used that lesson in my first startup called Go Work. Um, I knew it was going to be called Go Work about a, a couple of months after I'd already sort of started thinking about the concept and building it out in my head. Go Work was actually inspired by uh, a visa commercial that were, that said go, just said go, go visa or something like that. And in it were just actions. Uh, the commercial had, I think it was around the Olympics time, and they had like people doing uh, different sports. And go, to me, was this action, this verb that I, I totally appreciated, especially coming from a company where people would just sit and play games and not work. They wouldn't work. And I thought, when I go to work, I just want, I want to spend my hours from 9 to 5 working and then go home and have a life, right? I figured the, the, the more efficient I am at working, the less uh, I impact my home life, the less I spend you know, working late or working over the weekends or bringing work home and stressing about it. So I, I, my company was called Go Work, but it didn't come right away. Even after I got the name, I didn't know what the logo was going to look like or anything. I just called it Go Work. I saw that there was a URL free, uh, G-O-W-E-R-K.com, and I, I registered it, and boom, that was it. So GoWork.com became the entity, and I kind of put it on my back pocket. I forgot about it while I worked on the product itself and figuring out what the story was going to be. So the story is very important. What you're building isn't just an idea. It's what it means to you. It's what it means to uh, other people. And um, how you get to the meaning behind your product is understanding the why. This is the second part. Actually, I I probably shouldn't say second part because... I'm, I don't know how many parts there are in total. Uh, this podcast is, is being recorded. This episode is being recorded, and I still haven't figured out what the last few stuff items are. Um, I'll probably hit those as I get to them. <clears throat> but why is a very important um, part of your startup. Why are you doing this? If you have a personal story, that is fantastic. That is, that is what you need to use to drive um, the rest of the elements of a startup, like the how and the validation and all that sort of stuff. The why is why you're doing this, why you're building something that will Im- improve people's lives um, or make lives, make lives better and whatever. You know what I mean. Why... usually comes from your own self, your own heart, your own experiences, and that sort of thing. For example, um, I want to buy a propane fire pit for my backyard. And I'm looking around and seeing that the propane fire pits that that I really like 
you know, the concrete finish, polished, square, with glass beads and, you know, a nice big size. They cost a lot of money. Uh, $1,200, $2,000. When you can just buy a, uh, a gas uh, connector... Like like you can got you can buy the 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 tray where the beads the glass beads are with the propane um, uh, thing where the flames come out uh, the long tube and the regulator that attaches to a propane tank you could buy that it's called a gas a propane gas kit I think I'm not sure um, and that costs like a hundred bucks maybe 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 less uh, if you shop around. And you could build the table. You could build the table around that. So I thought, why not make my own fire pit and come up with a clever way, a clever material that's lightweight, that can ship easily with everything together and, you know, undercut that price, that $1,500 fire pit down to, you know, $200 or $300. Could I do it? I'd love to do it because then fire pits would become more accessible. I want, I'd want one of those, um, and I'm sure a lot of people would too. Uh, that was that was an example of a the stupid example of why would I start a business making fire pits? Um, I'm sure there are a lot of people like myself who enjoy a beautiful, safe fire pit in their backyard. Uh, so if I can make it more affordable, then more people would be able to enjoy it. Uh, the why for my current startup called Pounce is, uh, and Pounce, by the way, is recruiting technology. Uh, it's software to help recruiters and candidates and hiring managers all connect and collaborate. The why behind that actually started with the frustration that a lot of job seekers have when they're applying for a job. It sucks. It's really hard. So, um, you know, they, they, uh, people spend so much time, invest so much time in figuring out how, they put, how to put a resume together. Then they spend so much more time researching a company. Then they spend so much more time applying for the job in different applicant tracking systems. And the hiring manager spends zero time looking at their resume. Um, by zero, I mean actually six seconds on average based on a study a few years back. They don't spend very much time is the bottom line. While candidates spend a whole lot of time trying to um, apply for a job. And guess what? Hiring managers have a job. Hiring managers have projects. They're busy people. You know, they care very little about the amount of time that a candidate spends on the resume. A candidate is, you know, I'd say 50-50, a candidate is looking for a job because they need a job. Um, you know, bills to pay, expenses piling up, and they need an income. Uh, sometimes they are at a bad job and they already have an income and they want to upgrade their position. They want to take a step in, in their career. Um, but it's still unfair that, candidates can spend so much time. So that's the why behind Pounce. I think that leveling the playing field between candidates and hiring managers will make hiring a lot better. You'll get more engaged candidates 
um, and you'll get a better fit within a company because they're more engaged and more honest and more um, available in their information. And that means less turnover. I think we're seeing a lot of really crappiness in the market um, because of poor candidate engagement. That is, that, is, that is one of the whys of Pounce. Um, we really want to be an advocate for the candidate. And I think by doing so, we'll improve the whole recruiting ecosystem. So that's an example, another example of why. If you can relate to it, then it's something that you can sell as well. It's an idea that you can sell. That, um, the why of your, of your business is something that you'll draw upon when you're selling your business to clients um, or to investors. So we talked about what your business is, what that idea is, and why you're interested in, in, in this business, why you think it's important. Now we want to talk about how. How is a very interesting, complex question because it really depends on so many variables. You can think about how as resources. How are you going to build this? Do you have the resources to do it? And resources can include capital and it can include skill sets. Are you the person to build this? Are you the person (laughs) that will be able to convert a pickup truck into an SUV and, um, you know, be able to make it uh, a great experience for not only the consumer, but the company? Could there be, you know, growth for the company? Um, will Will it sell? Are you capable of doing this? I'm a creative designer. I'm a graphic designer. I did a lot of websites, marketing sites, product design, branding, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Back in the day, I did a lot of user experience work as well. And I think, so I was capable of designing my product uh, almost entirely with, with, um, you know, a drawing program like Illustrator or Photoshop. But I was a little naive, I got to admit, because I, I just said that I was able to design the entire thing. The entire thing, you won't know what the entire scope of your startup will look like until you get customer feedback. You won't know um, that, that the intricacies, the nuances, the, um, how people use this, which will require you to iterate, which will require you to scale back design, uh, or or improve the design with n- new products or new features, you may realize that this is all like just the beginning and you'll have to build out a huge uh, platform much bigger than you thought in order for this to be successful. So don't expect and don't be frustrated when you think that you've built something and, or designed something end to end and you're like, that's it. Uh, and then shop it off to a developer or start developing yourself only to realize this is this is not it. There's a lot more to this. Don't be disappointed. But when you do think about how you're going to develop this, try to remove as much of the noise as possible. 
distractions. Things like, and I mentioned this before, branding and colors and how it looks and that sort of stuff is a distraction. Um, being able to uh, do anything outside of the core functions of, of the what, of what your idea is, are distractions. You know, exporting to PDF and all that sort of stuff can hang you up. So, so don't worry about it. Just focus on your core product. How are you going to build it? Can you do it? Can you build it? If you can, go for it. Think about the resources that you have at hand. Um, are you able to build it with cheap resources? If so, go for it. Whatever you have at hand, if you happen to be the, the, um, a developer of very high-end or really current technology, use that. But if you don't, if you only know how to do PHP from, you know, uh, 10 years ago, don't, don't be hung up on trying to learn some new language just to build this. Don't think too far ahead where an acquisition comes around and then they're going to be looking at the code and saying, this is a mess. This is ugly. We're not buying this because we have to rewrite everything anyways. Don't worry about that. Build it. Build something and build it as quickly and easily as possible. Don't even be afraid of using PowerPoint um, as a prototyping tool. And the reason I say that is because um, you know, people just get hung up on the whole development process. Don't be those people. Because once you have the what and the why, and you're able to tackle the how, then you're, then you're moving. Then you're actually, you know, a bona fide startup. Um, another element of the how is, is, in resources is capital. People often say, I've got this idea. I'm passionate about this idea because the why. And then they say, I need money to make this. I need to hire a team. I need to hire marketing. I need to hire sales. And you can do that and go into uh, um, <clears throat> a VC's office, a VC firm, a venture capitalist firm, and say, venture capital, not capitalist, venture capital firm and say, I need a million dollars. That's it. And with your million dollars, I can support a team of, I don't know, seven or eight or ten people, ten people. Um, and they're like, oh, really? What's your idea? And you tell them your idea. Why is that important to you? And you tell them the why. And do you have any revenue? Do you have any customers lined up? Do you, uh, you know, do you have an acquisition lined up after this? And you say no. And then they say, okay, well, that's my answer too. No. The reason that you will get laughed at a lot is because if you don't have something, if you don't have any kind uh, of, uh, what's the term? If you don't have any skin in the game, and that's like invested time in developing the project or or hiring someone with bootstrap money to invest in the pro to to build the pro project for you then you're basically asking someone to, to 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 give you money based on a pipe dream it's really just a pipe dream and don't don't go in with a beautifully branded product 
without having something. Like, don't go in with a beautifully branded uh, logo and um, stationery and stuff and a business card and then expect that that will make it any better. They may, if they're a good investor, they'll say, okay, so you've got lipstick on what? What, what is this whole thing? Uh, the thing that they'll probably want to see m- most is the fourth thing on this list is validation. So you've got the what, what's your idea, why is it important, and you've also covered a little bit of how. Um, how are you going to build it, um, and how are you going to you know, uh, get things started? The validation is really the make or break uh, moment for your startup. And you want to get validation as early on as possible. For some people, um, they create PowerPoints. PowerPoints that mimic the look and feel of their software. And it may be linear where you click next or where you click a certain button on the page and it goes just to the next screen. Um, It may have a storyline where you click different elements and it takes you to different, different slides on your slide deck in PowerPoint. But what it does is it gives people an understanding of what you're doing and how it will, um, how they can interact with it. For a customer, that interaction is important. For a, a venture capitalist, venture capital dude, um, that interaction is not as important as what the customer thinks. So they don't. They, whatever they think about the uh, the product is one thing. What they'll what they will ask and what they will look at are your numbers. How many sales do you have? How many clients do you have? How many uh, people log in a month? All that kind of stuff. So validation helps. Now validation to me is the biggest, most important part of this entire. Uh, workflow. It's in terms of a startup without validation, you have nothing. Validation is going out and asking people, your customers questions, um, your clients, sorry, um, understanding your market and understanding your competitors. Your market and your competitors are sort of the same thing, except your market it includes, you know, the entirety of your your competition and your clients and then your competitors are you can look at them individually and see who's sort of doing something similar to what your idea is or doing nothing to what your idea is in my case and here i go harking back to pounce um, doing hr recruiting software is challenging in a very saturated market where's 150, 180 competitors all making applicant tracking systems. But what they're focused on is AI, chatbots, machine learning. They use um, keywords like candidate engagement or candidate experience, but they're not about the candidate at all. They're more about the recruiter or the hiring manager. That's who they're uh, that's who they're selling to. So that's their audience, and that's the most important element of all this to them. Ours is all about the candidate. 
even though we're selling to recruiters and hiring managers, we're doing it in a roundabout way. So how we validate that is by seeing how fast people um, use our product to build a a candidate profile, whether it's a recruiter building a candidate profile or a candidate themselves, uh, how easy it is for them to, to, to use, what kind of feedback they have. And, and we've taken that feedback and iterated upon it, um, iterated our product over and over and over again until we are able to say that this product is pretty solid. Validation to us, it pounces is about the product, how people respond to it, um, how long they spend using the product, whether they're um, interested in extending their trial to a paid membership, um, and how often you know they're engaged in the product, how often they sign up uh, sign in. Uh, how many people they collaborate with on the project, how many clients they uh, bring into their platform, how many candidates they bring into their platform. Those are just a few variables, and those are just numbers. But the true validation comes from feedback, the feedback that I get. We, like I said, Pounce has been around for two years, and the first year we were hardly getting any feedback. People were not, you know, sending us uh, any kind of feedback, even when we asked for it. We said, hey, we saw that you're using the product. Fantastic. What do you think of it? And we would hear nothing. Um, That told us that I guess, you know, they were just completely disappointed. Their expectations were here and what we were delivering was way over there. We did some modifications based on the very sparse feedback we got. And then we asked again, new people, what do you think? And they told us more information. We got more engagement. See, part of the validation was the way we were reaching out as well. MailChimp was a a platform that we started using to make sure that we could control our our messages out. We can always reach out to people. Um, And then in that was a, a, a way for them to respond Some of the earlier messages for the recruiting platform were, get me off of this thing. I don't want to pay for it. And that's because it was Recurly, our billing software, that was their first point of contact with us. Once we realized that, we cut off Recurly's messaging and we turned on MailChimp messaging. And it was a much more polished and uh, more personal message. Had nothing to do with billing. And we started to... We stopped hearing the the negative uh, feedback, and we started getting positive feedback. And by positive, I mean constructive ideas, ideas of what's missing in the product, ideas of um, how they would definitely become a customer if they had this or this or this. Validation really helped us understand what our idea was and its impact on the market. Validation also helps us understand how we stand apart from our competitors. So, by building a lightweight prototype and getting your product out there as soon as possible, 
with as using as few resources as possible, you're able to get validation sooner than later. And the sooner you get validation, the sooner you know you're on the right track or the wrong track. Think of validation as a compass and a map. And you know that you want to get from point A to point B. You know that you want to get somewhere. And, you know, your customer feedback, your validation is always directing you in the right direction. You may be way off at the beginning. Don't be discouraged. That's the point of validation. Either the product is a dumb idea, the market won't take take it, or more likely, you just approached it the wrong way. You approached it in a way that didn't resonate with people. So reiterate. Uh, iterate over and over again. Don't be afraid to change things. Don't be afraid to cut things out. And that's why I say in the, in the beginning, don't do anything complex. Don't over-invest time in something that will be very complex, only to realize that, holy Chicago, I've got to redo everything. Now, once you've got some validation, this will really open the door to getting your first customer. Getting your first customer is the most important step of a startup. Well, (laughs) I just said that about validation. I'm going to say that about everything. I think everything is really important. But getting, getting your first customer is the hardest thing, especially if you never had a startup before, if you never were in sales before. Talking to people, well, val- you'll, you'll sort of break the ice with the validation. You can talk through email. You can talk through Atlassian's Jira. There's a there's a, a support desk there that that allows people to connect with you directly through your uh, through your application. But sales is really about talking to people directly. It's not hiding behind email or Jira support desk or uh, any or your marketing, it's about uh, pounding the pavement, as they say, hustling, going door to door. And when you do this, when you go face to face with with someone who is a potential client, what you see is their facial reaction. You see their honest reaction to um, your product. Sometimes it will be a beautiful, enlightened reaction, and sometimes it will be like, huh, okay, I have gotten every type of reaction. The beginning, the, the early days of go work, I'd pound the pavement. I'd go visit people at their offices, I'd give them a demo of the product, and they go, you don't really know what you're doing, do you? There's a lot missing here. And then I would go to another office and I'd, you know, totally change up the way I did my presentation. They go, you know what, this is kind of interesting, but you're missing a few pieces here. Um, I'm not going to be a paying customer, but if you were to make these changes, I would certainly be interested. Your pricing is way off. I don't I don't think the pricing is is really I mean, I'm I'm spending half of that on a product that does twice as much as yours. So Validation and getting your first customer sort of go hand in hand, but you have a different goal. Validation is all about you know making sure that you're on the right track. Getting your first customer is about getting some money, getting some revenue, um, and proving that your product is 
going to earn revenue in this market. I was lucky with GoWork. My first uh, client was a company called um, Blackcomb Aviation. I happened to know the owner. Now, I went to the owner um, with a question, and that was, I'm building a product. I know you run a business, and I would love to get your feedback on how a product like mine would fit in a business like yours. I'm not trying to sell to you. I'm just trying to understand. I'm just trying to get, and this is what I used. I'm trying to get some validation. And uh, our meeting went great. So to the point where, you know what? We are struggling in this in this uh, area, he would say to me. And your product sounds like an awesome fit. Why don't we set up another meeting with you know the director of HR, the director of IT, and so on, uh, and and the COO, and we'll we'll see what what they think. So we did that. They loved everybody loved it, and the CEO had some reservations. The uh, IT guy had some reservations, and director of HR, you know, uh, loved it, but had a couple of ideas that it could be improved upon. And then that's when. Um, me and the CEO uh, had another uh, one-on-one, and I said, "Look, if you guys can sign on, I'll give you a discounted price, and um, I will, you know, pay extra attention to you and your business." And he liked that. He said, "I know you. I know, I've been there before when I had a startup, and it's hard. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a break, and we're gonna we're gonna be your first customer." That was the best day of my life. Um, well, no, not my entire life, but it was the best day of my startup life, my founder life. And um, I made the sale that that day. Uh, they they signed on. They had a hundred employees, so it was actually a pretty good deal. There was uh, quite a bit of money involved um, in that first license. That became the premise for my next sale, which was, um, hey. This customer does it this way. This customer signed on because they like it. And once you kind of uh, take down the veil that you don't have any customers, once you once you can get past that and start describing your other customers and people can like people that you're trying to sell to will relate to that. They'll be like, "Ah, oh, okay, well, you know, they're they're aviation. I'm aviation. It sounds like a good fit. Okay." Well, we'll give it a try. We'll we'll try it out for three months or so. So your first sale can lead to help. Uh, well, your first sale, blah blah blah. Your first sale can lead to other sales, and it can certainly uh, open the door. It's still a lot of hustling. It's still a lot of face-to-face conversations. But what happens next is that your reputation starts to grow. And, and one sale leads to two, leads to three, leads to a dozen, uh, leads to two dozen. All these sales that you start to accumulate also give more validation to your entire story. They validate not only your product, but they validate your business model, what your pricing is, um, who you're selling to. And they give you a lot of information uh, that you can leverage for marketing um, and for the big, big, uh, exciting element that all startup founders want to hear. Well, most startup founders want to hear 
acquisition. I was lucky I got acquired. I was kind of painted into a corner with my startup. It was very hard. I got to say, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, There was a lot of things that broke along the way, even though I had paying customers. In fact, when I had paying customers, it got harder because now if something broke, um, I would get a dozen calls, two dozen calls, and um, there was a lot of pressure to fix these things. Without customers, no pressure. (laughs) So just remember that if you don't have any customers, you can at least say to yourself, "Uh, well, at least I don't have support nightmares yet. But validation um, and and my and my customer base base really helped each other. I put together a marketing plan. I put together uh, blogs. Um, I authored a lot of blogs, and I took a position in the industry um, against certain things and for other things. When it comes to performance management which was what GoWork addressed, what we had seen already was a lot of performance reviews done on an annual basis. They were expensive. They were ugly. They were a lot of of articles saying, why do annual reviews suck? I mean, it was a, there was a lot of um, anger towards the annual review. How do we fix it? And I took that position that annual reviews do suck. I further I furthered it by saying that cascading goals also suck. Um, cascading goals, which happen to be the goals that are set from the top level of the organization, the CEO with his overarching three, four, five goals that trickle down to the leadership team who in different avenues say, okay, we're going to we're going to tackle these three or four or five goals by doing these goals in our department, which trickle down to um, the uh, directors who have different avenues or segments of that of that market, like sales, inside sales, uh, lead sale, sale generation, all that sort of stuff. And then they segment those goals into smaller pieces for the workforce. That's what cascading goals are. And in fact, once it gets from the top level all the way down there, they kind of have very little meaning. There's no context behind them. So the idea was, let's make goals collaborative instead of cascading. Let's talk about goals uh, as something that the employee or uh, and the manager work on together. It's about uh, building on their performance, not about the, the bottom line of the organization. Now, there are a lot of issues and problems with that stance, which I worked out over the years. But that was my position, and that was what I used uh, in my marketing. I wrote blog articles about it. I um, I eventually, after the acquisition, I got a lot of PR. I was able to do a lot of media stuff. Um, and some of that was all a position on a better way of doing performance management that wasn't traditional, costly, and antiquated. So marketing was a was a was a major part of this whole thing. But but really, um, once you've once you've established your first customer, 
you could just build upon that. Uh, marketing helps. Advertising certainly helps because it it takes you know the the your your seed of a customer and then it and then it kind of scales it up by a large number. But advertising and not seeing results can be costly, so take that iteratively as well. Validate your marketing, um, and then uh, spend more money as you see better conversions coming in. Now, finally. What's your end game? Are you going to continue building your business to the point where you have a large workforce, um, possibly go public, or do you want to um, be acquired? So the acquisition element to that, I'm going to kind of leave that off because that's pretty far off from a, from when you're beginning. If you're a first-time startup founder and you're thinking about acquisition before you've done the what and the why uh, you are you're basically you're basically growing a giant mountain that you'll have to climb it makes things much harder when you look at that end result and you've and and you haven't gotten even to the first base camp if you haven't started out in your journey and you haven't taking the first few steps, you know, you got to understand not just what the journey looks like for your business, for your startup, but what the journey looks like for you as an individual. How much can you handle? I mean, are you behind on taxes? Or are you uh, short on money? Do you have um, to pay rent uh, and, you, and, and you just can barely, you know, scrape by on rent? This is a hard, long journey, so you got to make sure that you take care of yourself first. Otherwise, you can get kicked out of your apartment because you're so focused on your startup, and then you end up on the streets, and everything falls apart. Everything falls apart. The idea that you had, the why, the customers that you finally got, and you're out on the street, uh, you, that, that makes you pretty desperate. I know one guy who started his own business and things were not as great because of, uh, of a recession. So you know what he ended up doing? He started, uh, well, he did it just once, but he took drugs across the border. This guy's a respectable guy. I know him, I know him well. And he got so desperate that he, he, what's it called? Mule. He, he was, a he, no, well, I don't know. I don't know what the term is, but he basically moved drugs across the border, and that made the news. That was something that he that completely ruined his reputation. Um, I don't. I don't uh, think that you have to destroy yourself for a startup. I don't think that you have to become that guy that goes and does something. Com- completely out of character in order to uh, survive. But sometimes you do. Sometimes you have to just break the rules a little bit. If you follow these steps and you do early validation, you understand the why and you're passionate about the why and you can get your first customer without breaking the bank and being smart about it, 
I think that you're onto something. And you know who else is going to think that? Investors. When you go to an investor with a story like that, that you made mistakes, you fix them. Those, those fixes opened up other mistakes that you fixed. The customers didn't come until you had this platform uh, at a certain stage and they loved it. So you got a few customers. You scaled it up with your marketing. You, 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 you were able to offer um, variations of your product at different price points, opening up your, your, your um, customer base to a wider audience. Those are the things that um, investors are just going to gobble up if you want investors. See, that's a whole other paradigm. There you have, you have a startup. You can bootstrap your startup. You can move forward into building a revenue stream with your startup without any capital. If you could do that, if you can go far along this journey without ever accepting a dollar of investment, then you can do a lot. Because once you have the investors uh, as part of your process, um, guess what? Now you have, you're accountable to someone else. It isn't just about your passion anymore. Your mistakes are now something that they analyze and they look at. And it could add a lot of pressure and it could be a, quite a huge distraction. So the further along you can go without investors, the better. But once you have a good story and you do want to bring on investors to scale up your business at a rapid pace, then this will uh, empower you. An acquisition will happen uh, if all the stars align. An acquisition is about you wanting to sell and a company that sees your product as a valuable uh, uh as, as something valuable to their business, to their customer base, or a new customer base for them, that that is going to be pretty tricky. Uh, and I, I and I won't stop at saying that the acquisition itself is pretty tricky. It's beyond the acquisition. After the acquisition, it gets hard as well. You're talking about. You, as an individual who had a passion for your product, who had a passion for your clients, um, who built something that was better than the industry was, was offering as a whole, uh, and you were breaking rules doing it, you were changing the, the, the whole dynamic of things like performance management from an annual review to feedback, to, to, to bite-sized feedback, and you went against the grain and you did it. And you have clients. You have revenue. You built something. And then you get acquired. You're no longer the same person. Now you report to someone. Whether it's the CEO or the VP of corporate development, um, you report to someone. And that someone has their own idea of what success looks like. When I sold Go Work to Trinet, I actually was excited that I'd have access to a huge sales force, 400 or 500 salespeople. I'd have access to uh, develop developers. Like they had a huge development team. I'd have access to um, marketing resources. Uh, my 
I had accumulated a, a bunch of Twitter followers because I was very hands-on. I thought now with resources, with marketing, I'll be able to, you know, spread the word even more. Um, I thought I had access to a lot of things that turned out not to be. For example, oh, and customer support was the biggest one that I was excited about because customer support was um, something that I did very poorly with my startup. Um, I couldn't answer questions about performance management as well as someone who's uh, qualified to answer those questions. Then again, I am the most qualified person because I kind of redesigned the whole performance management uh, concept in the first place. Still, it was very hard for me. So a whole team of customer support, I think they had 900 customer support people. They called them CSRs, customer service representatives. But nothing worked out the way you, the way I expected because all of these people took elements, took uh, control away from me. And it wasn't about control that I needed. It was about understanding my product. I had less conversations with customers. I stopped, you know, dealing with um, potential sales directly. So I didn't get the reactions. I didn't, I didn't get a read on the reactions from people. Um, Marketing was now, you know, something that uh, was run by the legal department almost. Everything that I produced had to run, get run by legal who, who had a huge say in what I could and couldn't uh, publish. And, um, and the development team outsourced to Vietnam and they made a mess of the product. They rewrote the product because someone there, oh, the politics as well kind of kind of throws you off and it kills you. All in all, I got to say that when you have a startup, it's a beautiful thing. Building something from scratch, helping people, bringing people joy uh, at work or at home is something that's just so rewarding. Seeing your startup grow is a wonderful feeling as well. You feel valuable. You feel like you're you're doing something. Especially if you hire folks and you build a small little workforce, you're actually bringing income into people's lives. You're you're I think that's a pretty awesome and noble cause. Getting acquired is um, also a great feat. It is uh, something that all startup founders kind of dream of. However, there's always going to be pitfalls along the way. And getting acquired is no different. I was at this company for four years because that was part of my stock option deal. They vested after four years. And the first year was great. It was fun. It was a nice feeling not having um, to worry about losing my house anymore. It was nice to be able to travel and explore the world. It was nice to take my family on vacations. But the second, third, and fourth year were shitty, like really terrible. And, it, and it's hard to say that it was the individuals and the people at uh, Trinet that made it shitty for me. It was just that I was 
a caged animal. I was I had experienced freedom. I had left my company. Uh, I had left employment seven years earlier, and I had experienced freedom. I was able to interact with customers directly. I was able to make friendships uh, from my business and bring happiness to people. And then as soon as uh, you know the acquisition happened, they put fences around me. They put a cage, they put me in a cage and said, okay, produce the same quality work that you were doing, but within these parameters. You're not allowed to do this, not allowed to do that, not allowed to do so many things, but still produce the same level. It was tough. And I was a fish out of water. I just didn't get it. I just didn't feel like I was an employee ever. I felt like I was a startup founder that was now kind of a contractor. So I had a lot of brushings. I had a lot of, uh, I knocked uh, heads with a lot of the VPs who thought they could just steamroll over me when they didn't realize that I had learned who I am and what kind of confidence I have. And I was able to stand up and say no. Folks, This was a stupid uh, first or second episode, but I am very happy that I was able to ramble on and talk about the what, why, the how, validation, getting your first customer, and then other stuff like marketing and acquisition. So as a a, a follow-up after this, I will be talking about um, some of those elements individually, including validation. I think that's a really awesome and exciting topic to discuss. But another one is how, how you build your product. And, and, in, and specifically, I want to talk about outsourcing, outsourcing your development to China, to Vietnam, to India. Is it worth it? Those are in upcoming webcasts or podcast episodes. I don't know what the terminology is. What is it? Listen, I appreciate your time today. I love you wholeheartedly. And I hope that we get an opportunity to meet sometime. Maybe over coffee. Maybe not. Ciao.